Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. I wrote the new three R's in education, respect, responsibility, and relationships, 15 years ago. At the time, it was difficult for teachers, parents, and administrators to buy into this philosophy. With the events over the past many years, I believe that this book has more meaning now than ever. I'll be sharing chapters of this book during the next 10 episodes of Anti-Bullying 101 with commentary and ask that you take a good hard look at the state of society, education, and our culture and consider what you hear and use the philosophy to facilitate change. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. As I said in the intro, we're going to be covering the new three R's in education, Respect, Responsibility, and Relationships, a book that I wrote 15 years ago that educators, parents, administrators all had a hard time wrapping their head around. We're going to be covering this book again, and you're going to be getting basically a podcast and the full book. Uh, in audio form and I'm going to leave a link in the episode description where you can download the book if you you want to read it and follow along. The bottom line is things have changed so quickly and so dramatically and the culture of our society of education things within families have just shifted beneath our feet and we don't even realize it And we're going to talk more about that in Chapter 5. We're going to be covering Chapter 4 today. Chapter 5 deals with 10 compromises that we've made. But let's get going right now with Chapter 4. And, you know, I use a lot of illustrations and stories and personal insights to drive points home and make things much clearer to the reader. And for the past 20 years, and we're talking about now that would be 35 years ago, I've harped on the educational system to focus on certain qualities that I believe, if developed, will create an environment where students are going to own their behavior. 
students don't own their behavior anymore. What they do is they use circumstances, they use excuses, they use their environment, they use a lot of different things to get out of the consequences that are associated with some of the things that they've done. And character education has always been of great interest to me. And what I noticed back then and even now that schools incorporate character ed into their curriculum, but they make it basically very ceremonious. You know, they build it into their curriculum, but they end up rewarding all students for displaying some quality during a week or even a month. And my thought is there's only two qualities, two basic qualities, that if we worked on them diligently, we'll, we will help students become better behaved in the classroom and will help them to develop into more capable adults as they raise their own families and work on the job. See, because I, I view everything as very intergenerational. What one generation, or at times, what parents do in moderation, children will do in excess. And the first quality that I want to take a look at is responsibility. The next one is going to be respect. So hang on to your hats. This may be a little bit longer of a podcast than you're used to, but do listen to the whole podcast because I believe, that, or this episode of the podcast, because I believe you're going to gain a lot of information that you're going to be able to use either in your family, as a parent, or as a teacher in a classroom. Now, educators are under constant pressure to improve student test scores and basically overall academic performance. And if a student's standardized test scores are not up to snuff or if students have academic difficulty that can't be explained, the principal, the administrator, the supervisor finds their way into the classroom for an observation to try and figure out what's wrong with the teacher's instructional methods. In other words, it's not on the back of the kid, it's not on the back of the parent, it's on the back of who? The teacher. Now, the question that I raise here, who is responsible for the student's academic performance? Now, as I said, I use illustrations and personal insights to make my points. I was not the best student in elementary or in high school, and I struggled just to get C's, and I got an occasional B, and basically never did any, never questioned anyone, and never made a statement, you know, like how good my teachers were. Nobody ever asked me. There was never any questions. Instead, I was questioned about my responsibility and what my responsibilities were as a student. And, you know, my dad, he knew when report cards were issued. And once he had that report card in hand, he'd sit me down and go over my grades. And any grade that was below a C, he'd ask what was going on in the class and why my what my responsibilities were in order to raise my grades. I rem and I do remember trying to dump it onto the teacher. You know, I tried to pull a fast one and tell him that the teacher didn't like me, which he didn't buy, and he told me that the teacher doesn't have to like me. 
and I don't have to like the teacher. My job was to work as hard as I could to understand what the teacher was teaching. Now, I can remember when I was a freshman in high school, I failed algebra, and I went home, and this was Algebra 1, and I went home and told my father that it was no big deal and that I could take it again my sophomore year. You know what he said to me? Yeah, no, no you won't. You failed because you, in other words, he used the word fail. He didn't say you didn't do too good. He didn't say, you know, uh, I know you tried your best. He didn't tr give me any of those opportunities. He said to me, you failed. And I did. And he said, you failed because you didn't apply yourself. I ended up in summer school. And, it was, and you know what? It was the best thing that happened to me. Because the following year, I got straight A's in Algebra 2. It was a breeze. The first three marking periods of Algebra 2 were nothing more than kind of a review of Algebra 1. That's what he did for me. He made me realize, he said, look, he would give me all the help that he could give me. But if I failed, I did it on my own. And of course, if I passed, I did that on my own also. He made me responsible for my, own, for my own education and didn't want to hear any excuses. Now I have a friend, this is going back 15 years ago, that I, I've known since he was 11. He never complained about homework. He didn't complain about study time. He didn't complain when he didn't understand something. He took responsibility for every aspect of his schoolwork. And I looked at his transcript when he graduated from high school and there wasn't one A. He earned all A pluses. He was the valedictorian of his class. And he is now, or was many years ago, attending Dartmouth College. Before a kid can be successful as a student, he has to be made aware by parents and teachers that it is their responsibility to be prepared and to learn and accept failure as an indicator that they're not putting forth their best effort. This is what's going on today. Somebody else is always blamed for a kid who doesn't perform well. And we can blame a lot of things. We can blame circumstance, environment. We can blame genetics. We can blame uh, the fact that they may have attention deficit disorder. We can complain that there are behavior problems. We can complain of there's upbringing. There's all kinds of things that you can blame. But the bottom line is somebody passes and somebody fails. And what is the person doing that has failed? And what is the person doing that passed? And if the person who failed takes a good, hard look at what the person did that passed, they'll come up with a lot of, a lot of information. Number one, they practiced and did what they had to do over and over and over again. 
You know, there was a video that was out uh, with a, um, a naval officer giving a uh, commencement speech at a college. And he said to the group that he was giving this commencement speech to, if you want to be successful, what you have to do is make your bed. Now, what did he mean by that? You get up every morning and make your bed. It's not the fact that you're making your bed. It's the fact that you are developing the consistency and the self-discipline to do that one thing every single morning. And he says, if nothing else, if you have a bad day, at least you come home to a made bed. Consistency, my friends, is the hallmark to greatness. No matter what you want to be good at, you have to practice it over and over and over again. You want to be good at baseball, you practice. You want to be good at football, you practice. You want to be good at the piano, you practice. You want to be good scholastically, you practice. You study. You take the time. And no excuse, no amount of... of um, uh, adversity should get into your way you should just do it and this is what we have to teach kids today because we have to make them more resilient if going forward they're going to be successful adults and failure is part of life you fail that's it you are responsible for your grades and you're responsible for your performance no matter where you are now Let's take a look at this in light of what our podcast is named, Anti-Bullying 101. And let's take a look at bullying and personal responsibility and why it's so important. We got to hold kids accountable. We know that. Now, if you've ever been pulled over for a speeding ticket or you're going to get a speeding ticket, you probably remember the anxiety you felt when you saw those flashing lights in your rearview mirror. You knew you were speeding and you probably felt sick thinking about the fine you'd have to pay and the points you'd be getting that would drive your insurance rates even higher. You were probably getting ready to give the officer an excuse as he walked over to your car. Maybe you told him you were late for an appointment or to work. Maybe your excuse was that your kid was sick and you had to get home. After the ticket was issued, you drove away shaking your head in disgust and reduced your speed. You inevitably vowed that from then on you would leave yourself more time to get where you needed to go so that it wouldn't happen again. Now, my question here is, were you more upset that you were speeding or more upset that you got caught? I think that the answer is obvious. You were more upset that you got caught in the act of doing something illegal. There was no real remorse for your actions. The missing piece is that we need to follow rules or laws all the time. Not just when we think someone's watching. And bullying behavior 
is often done very covertly. It's done when no one's looking. See, because that's because bullies are cowards and need to be held accountable for their actions. But in many instances, they're not, largely because teachers don't observe the bullying behavior. Now, on the occasion that a bully is caught and the parents of the bully are contacted regarding the child's behavior, the parent asks the teacher if they observed what their child did or if the teacher was relying on the information that was received from another student. And we all know that the teacher may not have seen this. The parents then become very defensive and confrontational and begin to bully the teacher. Leaving the teacher feeling intimidated and fearful of them, meaning the parents. But even worse, the teacher may be left feeding off the student who is the bully. The teacher then becomes very reluctant to hold this student responsible for bullying actions in the future. The problem is that, is that holding a bully responsible using relevant and consistent consequences is, only th is the only thing that's going to stop them from terrorizing other students. And this is the reason why bullying continues. There is no relevant and consistent consequence in place that will stop the bully from terrorizing other kids. Now, if the bully is not held accountable, then all we're doing is preparing this kid for a lifetime of irresponsible behavior. He'll never have remorse for his actions and he's only going to be concerned about whether or not he, he had gotten caught. And therein lies the biggest problem when it comes down to bullying. There is no consistent consequences associated with it. Because what does the consequence do? It basically holds them responsible for their actions. This is why it's continuing. And it doesn't matter if it was witnessed or not. In my estimation, as a high school administrator for 16 years, and after 43 years in education, where there's smoke, there's fire, and if a kid makes a report to you that they were bullied, the chances are pretty good that it happened. You may not have all of the facts, but when you sit these kids down, you'll get them. But if the parent becomes defensive because of the fact that they believe that you're believing another kid, well, just in case you missed it, bullies are liars too. And the parent is believing their own kid. Kids lie and bullies lie as well. Never forget it. Now, let's get on to respect. I was driving in my car one day and was staring at the five bumper stickers that were on the car in front of me. One of the bumper stickers made a lot of sense. <clears throat> 
And I still see these bumper stickers today. It says, if you can read this, thank a teacher. I never had to be reminded of this when I was a kid. I always thanked my teachers, but more importantly, I respected my teachers. I didn't have a choice. I had to be respectful. I didn't even think twice. I found out very early as a student that before I had a chance to be successful academically, there's a few things that I had to do. I had to stay in my seat, not talk back, do what I was told to do when I was told to do it, amongst others. I realized that if I made any attempt to complain about my teachers, my parents weren't hearing it, which really benefited me as a student. Now, today, and today, remember, is 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Hear me on that. This isn't today, today. This was going on 15 years ago. If a kid goes home and starts to complain about his teacher, instead of the parents saying, do what you're told, they almost can begin to complain right along with their kid, planting seeds of disrespect in the child's head, and that's gonna interfere with their academic success. Any time a kid senses a division of authority between their parents and the school, they go to school every day with a poor attitude and they're being programmed for a lifetime of educational and employment-related problems. As a teacher and an administrator myself, I've watched this decline of respect and education. It's almost as if society wants to muzzle the teacher. Hear me on this. 15 years ago, society wants to muzzle the teacher from saying what needs to be said to a student that will help the student to complain, to, to, to improve academically. They have to measure every word, and if constructive suggestions offered to a student by a teacher... It can be viewed by the parent as an insult. It's going to damage the kid's self-esteem for a lifetime. Now, I've been through this with you guys before. If you followed my podcast, I've been through it. And I'm going to say it one more time. If a child does not do well academically... And that kid comes to you and says to you, how did I do on that test, Mr. Burns? And you fumble around to try and find the right words. Like, we can take it over, we'll take another look at it, maybe you didn't have enough time, blah, blah. You can go through a whole bunch of stuff. What You are setting that kid up. How did I do on that test, Mr. Burns? You failed. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because that was what? Say it with me. The truth. You have to speak the truth. 
you don't tell them the truth, somebody will later on. And as a high school student, I was no different than any other kid in school. I tried to get away with as much stuff as possible and always look to cut corners. Now here's a little illustration for you. I was a freshman in high school and I turned in a history assignment to my social studies teacher. And this assignment was assigned two weeks prior and I worked on it the night before it was due. Within a day or two, the teacher handed back the assignments to the class, but my assignment wasn't returned. Now here's the difference. He could have given it back to me, but he didn't. Why? Because he cared about me as an individual. He asked to see me after class. I met with him and he said to me, what is this? And he showed me my paper. Is this all you're capable of, Jimmy? And you know what he said to me? And I think it may have been the third time in my whole life I heard a teacher use a bad word. He said to me, Jimmy, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And I was shocked and embarrassed and hung my head. Thank God I hung my head. I was embarrassed and shocked and I wasn't going to go home and tell my parents that the teacher cursed at me or insulted me. Then I looked at him and I said, can I do it over? And you know what he said to me? Can you? In other words, can you do it over? Can you do better? Are you capable of better work? You know what he did? He worked on it with me and gave me the help I need. And I turned it in again. You see, he didn't accept the garbage. He raised his expectations. He garnered my respect. I gave him respect and he earned it. And I received a B for the, the assignment and I developed a tremendous relationship with this teacher and respected him because he didn't feel as if he had to measure his words. I had a high regard for this man's opinion and didn't even think twice about trying it again. He didn't have to give me the help, but he did. That was a real teacher. And that man, because of his high expectations for his students and probably for himself, went on to become superintendent of schools. Because he knew what effort looked like. Now, unfortunately today, if a teacher tries this, the kid usually goes home, tells their parents, a meeting's arranged to question or berate the teacher, and the sad part is it's allowed to go on. And it's very commonplace. And we're talking 15 years ago in education and in society today, meaning 15 years ago. Schools are continuously on the hot seat to improve test scores, reduce the dropout rate, comply with federally mandated programs that provide government funds, and every day the news of deviant behaviors reported in schools with school shootings almost becoming commonplace. I'm talking 15 years ago. 
society wants to level the ground and create an environment where no one's in charge. And authority figures can't even offer constructive suggestion to students and employees to help improve performance. Why do you have a supervisor? Why do you have a principal? Why do you have a boss? To help improve performance. That's why you have one. You can't have all chiefs and no Indians. There has to be someone in charge. These teachers, administrators, and people who are in the trench working with kids who aren't even their own, they get muzzled by the same system that judges their abilities. The only way students will be become successful academically is when everyone involved in this educational process learns to respect the human element, the human resource, and that's the teacher. Now, that was 15 years ago, folks. Things are worse today. My question to you is how much worse do you want it to get? Download the book, read the book. Take a good, hard look at what needs to be done. And let's start to make some changes. Let's start a revolution, if you will. An educational revolution to help stop the madness and get these kids to be respectful and responsible for their behavior and for their academics. Because if we don't, if we don't, we're going to dumb this whole thing down behaviorally and academically, and we're going to have a group of adults who are going to come out there within the next 10 to 15 years who will have no resilience, resiliency, no respect, and no responsibility. And that's who will be running the country. That's who will be running systems, corporations, and those are the people that will be on jobs. This has to change. And the only way to do it is through respect, responsibility, and responsibility for yourself. There's no circumstance, there's no environment, there's no upbringing, none of it that says you don't have to be responsible for your own behavior. If you think you are determined by the, all of those things, think twice. You are not determined, you are influenced by them and you can always change your response to the influence. So you want A's? Get A's. You're happy with a B? Take the B. That's all there is to it. But don't dump it on somebody else, making them your scapegoat for how poorly you did. Because it doesn't work and it shouldn't work. And it didn't work 15 years ago and it can't work now. My name is Jim Burns. Thank you 
for listening to Anti-Bullying 101. That was Chapter 4 in the new 3Rs in Education, written 15 years ago. I wrote the book 15 years ago. It is more relevant today than it's ever been before. And I ask you all to pick up this book. You can get it right in the episode description. If not, go to thebullyproofclassroom.com, go into the store, the book is in the store. Also, if you have the time and a dollar, don't drink coffee today. Do me a favor. Make a donation to the website and to this podcast. We need it. We need it to keep it going. I thank you for being my loyal listeners. I thank you for listening to my rant as I move as I go on talking about the difficulties that we face. And I ask you to become part of the solution. Don't remain part of the problem. Today is December 16th, 2019. 10 days before Christmas. I'm looking out my window and it's cloudy out. Almost looks like snow, but it's drizzling. It's not cold enough to snow. I'm feeling pretty good. Everything's good with me and I hope it's good with you. But I want you always to remember, always never forget this. And it's more relevant now even after this episode. You always carry your own weather around with you. My name is Jim Burns and I thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.